Amen. I greet all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many are yearning for the Beulah land? Amen. Uh, this wealth is just becoming too unbearable for believers. We need a Beulah land. Amen. God bless you as we turn our Bibles. God bless you, Sister Winnie. Good to see you. Amen. In the maybe let's turn to uh, the faith chapter, the Hebrews eleven. Hebrews eleven, and then we'll read from verse one and six. Amen. Says now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. Verse six. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you agree with that statement? Let's bow heads a gracious heavenly Father, as we just write from the Holy Scriptures. It would be irresponsible for us to read the book without the author being present. Hence, you were invited at the beginning of the service. And now we have read this portion of the scripture. Come and anoint it, dear God, that whatever needs to be spoken, let it be spoken. What should not be spoken must not be spoken. Let everything be regulated by the Holy Spirit. A lot of times, dear God, when the Holy Spirit is not there and men speak, it becomes quite a free fall where anything goes. And a lot of times it becomes very toxic to the souls of men and women. And let it not be the case tonight. Whatever is going to be said tonight, let it be sanitized by the Holy Ghost. And you know, dear God, you have never disappointed us at any point in time. You made a promise that where two or three are gathered and are gathered in your name, you will be in their midst. We believe we may not see you with our natural eye, but we believe that you are here tonight. While you have graced us with your presence, there are believers that have needs. I want to submit the unspoken request to you because even though they are not spoken, but you can search the heart and know what is troubling the heart. Anything that they need, may you grant it unto them so that they can glorify your name and testify to the world that indeed they are not orphans. The Heavenly Father is still taking care of their well-being. Dear God, you are not a failure. You are a prayer answering God. And if there is a bottleneck in the lives of your children, I send the Holy Spirit to make a way, dear God. Whatever, anything that may be bothering, solutions that they may request, 
Dear God, I know you will provide solutions. Anything that is needed shall be provided. All these things we believe them in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you richly as you take your seats. Amen. Just Brother Freddy is just held up, but amen. He's just needed to go and help his father-in-law because I think there was a bit of an accident. Amen. Now, we were tremendously blessed on Sunday. How many were blessed on Sunday? Amen. Very difficult subject, but by God's grace, we were able to say something that became a blessing to God's children. Amen. Now, I, you would see, I think we spoke, there are some messages that we spoke on the other time we spoke about the signifying angel, and then we moved there, then we spoke about balancing the appearing and the coming of the Lord, then we moved there, we spoke on the bright material, or I shall write this trail once more, then we moved there, and then we spoke about the bright material. And then, uh, then we moved to there. We spoke about the Godwood of Jesus. Then we moved from the Godwood of Jesus. Then we spoke about the condescending of Elohim. Amen. So you can just see it was just a nice build-up. Amen. Now, and Brother Brenmore, before I get to there, there's just two quotations that I would want to read that I've got nothing to do with my message, uh, but I've got to read them just to say a few words. Amen. Brother Bram says in this message, and knoweth it not, that is uh, paragraph 82 in the message, and knoweth it not. He says, let me prophesy something to you just before it comes to pass. Amen. Do you believe the prophet? Says, let me prophesy something to you just before it comes to pass. The whole world is grouping in insanity and will get worse and worse and worse until there will be a bunch of uh, I can read it with it. Until there will be a bunch of maniacs. It's almost that way now. Amen. This is the prophet. He doesn't say I predict. He says I prophesy. Do you see that the world is now becoming a bunch of maniacs? A young boy just walked into a school in America and he just with his gun flattened his uh, stu- uh, uh, fellow students. What is happening there? It is the insanity that is taking place. You can't escape it. Every country, it has to go through this because we are right where the scriptures have got to be fulfilled. But uh, here, it's something else. Um, And sisters, I want you to be with me. Uh, when, When the death angel visited Goshen, 
uh, and there was a cry after cry as the death angel was striking. At no point in time did a sister in Goshen say, am I next? Hallelujah. We, the world, let me tell you, the number of femicides, women being killed, children being killed, because of this statement, it will go up and up. But right in the midst of this madness, there is going to be Goshen for God's people. Are you still with me? So when, when the world, when women in the world say, am I next? Will it happen to me? Uh, don't, don't join that chorus. You are protected by God himself. Uh, I hope we are together here. I just want to put it out there that uh, you've got a higher protection. Now, uh, another, qu- another uh, quotation that I would want to reach that, that has got nothing to do with my message. It is in the question and answers, paragraph 67. Brother Branham says, and you take the Holy Spirit of a man. He is lower than the animal. He is worse than the animal. He says that's a hard thing to say. Now, on this one, uh, parents, and I, I know when we speak here by God's grace, we don't speak to this audience. We speak to people across the country, across the globe. Uh, but my, my advice to message parents is never ever entrust your child with anybody else. Be it a relative, it must never happen. Are you still with me? The days that my child is visiting uncle so-and-so, those days are gone. Even uncles are no longer safe. Are you still with me? Uh, grandfathers are no longer safe. The world, because as long as he is without the Holy Ghost, you can never guarantee his sanity. Can I get an amen? Those days, this, this is a time where you can't delegate being a parent. Your child, you must be there at all times. It's a time of vigilancy. Are you still with me? I hope we are together. There are boys that have been molested by aunts. That is the reality of the matter. So make sure that you always keep your children in a, in a, in a Holy Ghost environment. And another thing uh, that I would advise, uh, even our young ones that have gone to tertiary, uh, w- there is a trend where a girl would befriend elderly men and would come and befriend her friends and would introduce her friends to the elderly men. Uh, By so doing, she becomes a conveyor belt of prostitution. Again, you need to be very interrogate friendships that your child has. The days when you just become a laser fair, relaxed parent are long gone. You have to interrogate everything. You have to know all the movements. You have to hold them accountable. 
Are you still with me? And furthermore, uh, the, uh, the risk of sounding alarming, it, it does not matter that she's so-called a message believer. There are three kinds of believers. We have lost a lot of young people because of the young people that have never left the message, but they have left the message. So this is a time of vigilance, parents. It's a time where you need to follow up. And when they are out there, make sure that they go to church. It is absolutely critical to go to church. Are you still with me? Now, and that is why I say you don't need to join that chorus. We, I don't know about other churches in this church, I, I know that we've got a very responsible men. We have very responsible men. Men that know the boundaries when they deal with children and when they deal with women. Men that have been taught to respect those boundaries. And those boundaries have got to be respected. Brother Bram says, when you are a son of God, you behave like a son of God. And you greet a, a member of the opposite sex with the dignity and the decorum that is required as a son of God. Are you still with me? That standard will preserve it. I was the, uh, the students in Port Elizabeth. I got a call. They said one time you would, would want you to come down because we had a great time when you were here. We want to invite you to the university and just to interact with students. But there is a lingering thought that when I was there, they asked me a question and said, does the Bible promote patriarchy? Patriarchy is a system where men, whatever they say is right and what women say is wrong. Then I said, I cannot speak because Christianity is quite broad, but I'll speak with the little that I know and the people that I represent. I said, tell me any religion that says a young boy should never even kiss a young girl before he has got the decency to speak to her father. A young boy has got, no, has got no right to hug a young girl until such time the pastor pronounces them husband and wife. I say, those are the standards that we adhere to. And if, if those standards are, are, are if, you can, if you can say those standards don't seem to respect women, I don't think there is anything that can respect a woman. Amen. I mean, if they were to make me a president tomorrow, the first thing, I will remove all billboards of naked women everywhere out of respect for the female species. Are you still with me? That's the, that is the respect that we have for women. Amen. I'm not on the, I had to clear that. We are not a, a xenophobic church. We are a multiracial church. The xenophobic attacks that are taking place there, it is them there, it is not us. You can't have the Holy Ghost and be xenophobic at the same time. Amen. When you've got the Holy Ghost, you relate better with your fellow humankind. But when you love one another, in this way, people will know that you are my disciples. So let's not join the world chorus. We are in a different zone. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Amen. 
if, if ever there could be a time where somebody would not be allowed to do something in this church because they are from another country, is the day that I will not be a pastor of this church. But as long as you see me being a pastor, it means that every brother is welcome. Amen. Had to say that because of the madness that is out today. Now, I preach without preaching. I'm not going to keep you long. In the images of Christ, paragraph 30, I was listening to this tape last night. Something very shook me when I was reflecting on what we had been speaking about. Now, in the images of Christ, paragraph 30, the prophet of God says, Now I know this is altogether not an evangelistic text by no means, and yet it is an evangelistic text. That means my subject this this evening, I want to speak for a few minutes about the paradox of faith. And yet it is an evangelistic text, but because the church can never progress until it knows what grounds it's progressing on. That's why the messages that have come here in recent weeks, it is to solidify your faith so that you've got something where you can base your faith if we say have faith in God, we must show you who is that God. Where, how, how did the whole thing evolve? How did he was Elohim, became the Logos, became the Theophany, became the flesh? How this happened so that you can have a clarity in who you must have faith on. Now he says, and I believe that before anybody can ever move, or have real confidential faith, a faith that has confidence, that it's first, they have to know where they stand and how to stand after they make their stand. That's why a church without a doctrine is not a church. A church must have a standpoint. I believe that's essential. For you cannot just headlong plunge into something with faith when you don't know where you are plunging in. You've got to know. And if our faith is set right and in the right position, it gives a constant satisfaction. Do you get where the satisfaction comes from? When you know that your faith is set right and you know that it is in the right position, it is not just where you take a headlong plunge. And we are not taking a headlong plunge. We know in whom we have believed. Amen. Uh, can I get an amen? amen? We know in whom we have believed. Our God is greater than anything in this world. Our God is greater than anything in this world. Amen. amen. Now, paradox. Because I say I want to speak on the paradox of faith. The prophet says a paradox, when he looked in the Webster Dictionary, it says that a paradox means something that's incredible. Something that is incredible, it means something that is unbelievable. But yet it's true. That is a paradox. Something that's almost completely out of reason. Couldn't be so, but yet it is. That's a paradox. So that means it is something that, that, that is true, 
But if you were to narrate it to the next person, you even doubt whether they will believe what you are saying because it is so incredible. And I don't know how many people in the building have ever experienced that degree of incredibility where God ever did something that if you were to tell somebody about it until sometimes you just say I had, bet, I had much better keep quiet because no one would believe that God has done what he has done because if I was to share this with somebody else they would think that you have lost your mind there is, even fellow believers would say you are not becoming fanatical this God is capable of bringing certain things or making certain things to happen in your life that blow your mind are you still with me? Now, in the message, the way it became flesh, paragraph 176, this is a preacher, I think we read it on the 3rd of October 1954, paragraph 176. He says, Every word in the Bible is God's thoughts, laying in seed form. Every word in the Bible is God's thoughts. Laying in seed form. When we say something is laying in seed form, that means it has the ability to come to life. Are you still with me? What is it waiting for? It is waiting for the right temperature. It is waiting to fall onto the right soil. And when it gets the right temperature and it gets the right soil and it gets the right amount of sunlight, it is obligated to come to life. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Now it says, and every weight in the Bible is God's thoughts laying in seed form that if, that if received into the human being and spoken by the same thought that materialized the Bible brings the thing to pass. See what I mean? How powerful could the church be? The Bible said, let this mind that was in Christ be in you. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And now your thoughts, they become an expression. I don't know whether you get He says, when you connect with the thought that spoke the weight, and that thought becomes your thought, that weight is obligated to be materialized. So that means everything that is in this Bible has the ability to be fulfilled at any time. What it is waiting for, it is waiting for the right human being to look at that scripture and say, this is the promise. I take the promise. I meditate upon the promise. And at the right time, it will come to pass. And that is why we have encouraged you many a time that whenever you go through a difficulty or a challenge, you must always find a Bible character that you can associate your life with. And the more you meditate on that character, then you will begin to see the results of that character in your life. Are you still with me? Now, he continues because we are on faith. He says in this message, he saw by himself... Paragraph 101, it says, listen, I'm going to say something. Look, faith is unconscious. Hallelujah. What does it mean? He continues, says, amen, you believe it? I've learned that in the years of travel around the world, 
and meeting the people of all different walks. But faith is unconscious. You got faith and don't even know it. Uh, Most of you, some of you tonight, you've got faith, but yet you don't know it. But how do you get to a point where, I mean, if, if I can say to you, you can jump an eight meter tall fence, you're not going to believe it. You will even shrug it off and say, me, I, that is not going to happen. No way. I will never be able to jump that high. But one time, when you are walking around, a lion comes from nowhere. Then we begin to see you doing things that you never thought you would do. Are you still with me? Then you jump, and after you jump, you look back and say, really, did I jump? I never knew that I was capable of jumping the fence. But the lion propelled you until you, you unearthed an ability in you that you never knew existed. Amen. And from time to time, figuratively, God allows the lions in our life. Yeah. A lion can be a bad boss. A lion can be a disease. A lion can be whatever challenge of some sort. And when that challenge meets you, then you realize that I've got no other way. I must confront the situation. And right there, you begin to express certain abilities that you never thought were there. Everyone in the building, they've got something wonderful in them that is laying dormant. But it is waiting for the right environment. It is waiting for the right challenge. That is why God does not want his children to be complacent. From time to time, he shakes the nest. So that we can begin to check whether can we ride on the storm. All of us, either we have had storms or we are going through storms or we are getting into a storm. But God will bring storms in your life. But I am glad that no able, no eagle shall ever be suffocated by a storm. A storm is the right equipment to an eagle. An eagle will ride on the storm. All the challenges that you are facing this evening, none of them will drown you. God would have never allowed them to come your way if he knew that they were going to drown you. You've got the ability to rise to the occasion and overcome your situation and come out of your situation with a testimony and tell the people that, look, this is not just a narrative. This is something that I know and I know that God has done in my life and I can testify based on experience. You know, when, when, when they invite a speaker for any occasion, they would want to go through what they call a bio, where they list the achievements, where they come from, to establish the credibility of the speaker to the audience. Because if you bring a speaker to address business people, all of them are skeptical. Has he ever run a business? Does he know what it takes to run a business? But when a speaker comes on the podium and says, listen, I ran a business and I was bankrupt and I resuscitated my business and after the resuscitation it became, it became a global conglomerate. Right there their jaw dropped on the floor. Now they, they have got a keen interest. Why? Because this is a man that is speaking about what he knows. And God would want to have the people that speak about what they know. 
Are, are you still with me? It's great that you can try. Have you ever tried to comfort somebody and you've got no idea what they are going through? But have you ever met somebody that is going through what you went through and you overcame and you tell me that, listen, I've been in your situation. Those are the most powerful words in an, a counseling session. When someone say, I have been through what you have been through. Right there, the, the next question is, how did you make it? Because why? You've got a secret of how to come out of this situation. This tonight, you have a secret, or you are going to have a secret how to come out of that situation. Are you still with me? Now, he continues, says, you've got faith and don't even know it. That's right. Jesus Christ, no matter, he said faith is unconscious. Jesus Christ, no matter, if he was in a storm and the gale is knocking the boat from one side to the other, or he was standing in a face or a mess of demons, if he was hanging anyway, it never moved him. He walked right on, just as calm and quiet as he could be. He, he was never shaken. Now, uh, you know, when you are on a plane, there is some terrain that are, some airspace that are very, very turbulent until the bags would even fall off the, what do you call it, the compartments, they would fall off because of how, how terrible the turbulence will be. But the, I learned how to overcome the fear of flying is that when you go through turbulences, you only concentrate on the flight attendant. Uh, I remember there was somewhere where we went through a very terrible turbulence and I realized that is there a problem now? But what I observed is that the flight attendants were busy playing this other game there. Then I said, as long as they are playing that game, there is no way that they will play that game if things are worse. The, for the mere fact that they are calm, that means everything is right. And I said, God, give us more believers in church that whenever things are going tougher, somebody can say, as long as that sister is saying praise be to God, as long as that brother is still saying praise be to God, that means everything is well. Are you still with me? Now, he says, he was never moved. He says he was simply unconscious of fear or anything around him. That's right. Whether it was going to happen or whether it wasn't going to happen, he knew it was going to happen because God said so. He didn't say, oh, I prayed it through. Wonder if I fasted long enough. Wonder if I did this. He just walked right on unconscious. That's right. He believed what God said was true. The words must be fulfilled. He knew what his life was to fulfill them. And you, you are here to fulfill it too. Just walk unconscious of fear. Uh, hallelujah. Folks, most of you, the reason you are not sleeping at night, you are playing a what-if scenario in your mind. 
What if he leaves me? What if she leaves me? What if I die? Stop. Be unconscious of fear. If it happens, let it happen. God knew that it would happen. He has capacitated you that if it happens, you are still going to overcome. Even if you die, you want to rise again. Then why are you worried about? Let us not worry about anything. Are you with together tonight? Yes, most of you are having never a lot of time. Most of sicknesses come from overthinking, playing different scenarios in your mind, crossing the bridges before you get there until you develop migraine. I say, God is in control and have faith in the God that I'm speaking about. Come on. I can do a quick snap survey. How many have ever worried in this building about things that never happened? You got worried. Did it steal your joy? And it never happened? And what happened? Some of you, you came out of more seeker. Why? Don't worry. If you committed to God, leave it in there. Amen. Yeah, even if I'm preaching, somebody say, Brother Madiba, be careful there. No, nothing about being careful here. Amen. Walk unconscious of fear. Walk unconscious of criticism. Walk unconscious unto the world. Walk as you walk in Christ. Walk with Him. Not paying any attention, the right or the left, just keep on moving. If something comes up in the church, walk with God. Hallelujah. If sickness strikes, walk with God. If the neighbor don't like you, walk with God. Just keep on walking with God. Being unconscious of things that are happening around you. Amen. In the message... The Lamb's Book of Life, paragraph 171, he says, let me tell you something. Lift up your heads. Straighten up your chest. This this is now a posture of confidence. Are you still with me? Straighten, lift up your head. Because you have been looking down like this and being discouraged, but the prophet is making a clear call. Lift up your heads. Straighten up your chest. Now, this is a posture of confidence. Uh, are you still with me? He says, oh my, use the faith. He says, faith is the boss. <laughs> Hallelujah. Faith. What, folks, what happens when the boss comes? Uh, Hallelujah. We just disappear. When the boss comes, you pretend to be busy even when you were not busy. Are you still with me? Even when you are busy with just a, a nonsensical talk, right there you possess if you are deep in thought. Why? Because the boss is around. Faith is the boss. What does it mean? It means that when faith emerges, everything must be subject to that faith. It says, faith is the boss. That's right. Faith has heads on its chest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
we speak about something that has got a backbone. It will not it will not just be there and fiddle out. When it is there, it's there to deal with the situation decisively. Brother, are you still with me? I mean, is God big muscles? Hallelujah. Big muscles. There are, there are certain, certain things when we are about to lift them. We look at the structure of a man and compare the weight to the structure. Hallelujah. Not everything needs a brain. There are times when muscles are required. Are you still with me? With your brain at the corner, you can just direct and say, you lift it up here and put it there. But when muscles are needed, it needs people with muscles. And faith has got muscles. What does it do? It can lift up every situation. Hallelujah. It will never be overwhelmed. When it speaks, all the worries drop from one side to the other. Have you ever switched the light where the insects just disappear? That's what faith it does. When it comes, every little worry disappears. The devil say, now you just can't make it. You can't do this. You are ashamed to testify. Faith raise up and say, shut up. I got the, the floor. This is my territory. Hallelujah. Folks, I, you, you, I, do you hear what we are talking about? And, and this, we are not talking about when things have happened. Nothing is happening. But faith takes the flow. Because why? It is the substance of things not seen. Are you still with me? Things, the evidence of things hoped for. Faith right there already says, I've got the flow. What does it mean? What you say I don't have, I already have it. Do you have the evidence? Faith is the evidence. The mere fact that I have faith is the evidence that I have it. And so it's sure. Faith takes the initiative. What does it mean to take the initiative? You know, there are people, if, if you were to group together people, there are people that are not initiative. Amen. If you leave them in a place, and you come after a day, things will just still be the way they are. No sense of initiative. But there are people that if you put them there, even if they are visiting, they already want to rearrange the furniture of where they are visiting. Because by nature, they are initiative. They already say, but that can blend with that. That's a sense of... So faith is always looking to say, which new ground can I break? Which new situation can I handle? Because why? Faith thrives on testimonies. It feeds on testimony. It feeds on saying, ah, I was to do it. It was a challenge, but it was done. And after it was done, what more mountain must I climb? What more river must I cross? There's never been a time where faith 
comes to a point where it says, right now, I'm at my wit's end. I cannot handle anything more. No, say. Faith, after it achieved this, it says, what more? It goes for another. After it achieved that, what more? It goes for another. That is the nature of faith. It is initiative. And when you have faith, when you are in one zone for longer, you become uncomfortable. You become restless. You lose your job. There are people that thrive on adventures. If they stay in one place for longer, they get disoriented, discouraged. They want to be in a new environment. If they have tried this hobby, they want another more dangerous hobby. There are such people in life. And there are some people that are quite easygoing in life. They don't want, they want predictability. They want to know how things are going to be. They want the status quo. I, I know. I want to declare to you, we don't need such believers. We need believers that can break new ground. We need believers that can go and challenge new territories. Believers that can come and testify and say, if God has done it again. God has done it again. Because, folks, when was the last time you inspired somebody with your testimony? When was the last time you inspired somebody with your testimony? You may answer that on your way home. Brother, this one you've got to bring in the message, the uncertain sound. This woman was a very special woman. We just want to close on two of her testimonies. That is the uncertain sound. He preached this on the 31st of July, 1955. Paragraph 237 237 that is the paragraph my dear my dear lo- my dear loving old mother-in-law sitting back here When I was telling her yesterday about it, she said, Billy, I had a clock that I couldn't make it run. Said, I just couldn't say, stay without that clock. I didn't have money to buy another one. So said, I got down and said, God, make that clock run for me, will you? Said, she looked up. It started running, just run perfectly. Hallelujah. Remember, you couldn't lie to Brother Brennan because he could design the thoughts. So that means the mother-in-law knew what she was talking about. Clock is not working. She looks at it and says, I don't have money to buy another one. Lord, will you make that watch work? Our God can fix the watch. I want to show you how domesticated this God can be as well. He's not just God of the squirrels out there. He can be God in the kitchen. 
238. Go take it up. Her refrigerator, she said, a couple of days after that, wouldn't kept defrosting. Just a little spot where it, sh- it would hold ice. She done everything she could do to keep it from defrosting or to keep it from defrosting because she couldn't keep her butter and stuff in it. Poor old thing, she's a widow. Her husband is in glory. That's my father-in-law. Give his last testimony over here to my left-hand side before he went home. She got down and noticed she didn't have money to buy another refrigerator. She said, God... Will you be merciful to me again? Again? Because if God has fixed you at lock, you are looking at Elsa and say, what is broken Elsa here in the house? Because faith is initiating. Are you still with me? When you have killed the lion, you are looking for a bear. And after you are done with the bear, you say, is there Goliath? Because faith is initiating. God, will you be merciful to me again? You know me. The, he, she and the Lord have a relationship. Don't ever rock up there when he, the Lord doesn't know you. These are based on mutual relation. Lord, you know me. Start my refrigerator to freezing again. Will you? Said so she got up and went and looked in the refrigerator. It was froze again. Uh, isn't that simple? But you are waiting for another angel with some vavavu. It's not going to happen in that way. God is God of simplicity. Fire close. Brother Brenham is out hunting. He's got a group of brothers. And they're busy fellowshipping and they're talking about how great God is. And Brother Brenham could sense that this man... The more I speak about how God is great. Amen. Remember on Sunday the way we spoke about his greatness. Today we bring the very God that was there before the universe. We say he can fix a fridge. You see, when we leave him there, you fail to understand that he's interested in your daily activities. Now, this brothers, when Brother Bram was testifying about this God, how great he is, right there, Listen to what he, they say, uh, he said to them. He picked up that they, they are now caught up in his greatness. But they don't know that yet how he is great, but yet he is simple. Now, right when he was there, he says, brothers, watch over there. He pointed at a spot in the water. And when they looked there, there was just a, a breeze that blew off a leaf of the tree. And that leaf, or before the leaf was broken, I'm just putting the cut before the hole. While they were looking there, they saw a bee. That bee was there. It looked like somewhat it had difficulty flying off. It was kept on being in the water, and it kept on making this buzzing sound. But it kept on showing that it is losing strength. Then when it was on the moment where it was about to lose the strength, a breeze blew off a leaf of the tree. And that leaf came, 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 flew, and now landed next to the bee. A leaf. 
Then the bee step onto the leaf and warm and regain the strength because now it's on the dry ground. And after a while, the bee flew off. Then brother turn around to the brother and say, this is the God that I'm speaking about. Are you still with me? And if that God can be interested in a bee, how much more about the bride of Jesus Christ? I'm closing now. A sister here in Jobek, she was driving, and as she was driving, she got hijacked. Pulled out a gun, hijacked her, got into the car, and they said to her, move. The car stalled. It just instantly developed a mechanical failure. It just could not move. Even thugs were convinced that the woman, your car is problematic. It can't move. Then they ran away and disappeared. After a while, the very car that had a mechanical feel, after it was declared by thugs that it cannot move, the sister took the car, turned the, the, the key, oh, it responded. And I'm saying it was not a mechanical fail. The God of heaven, the God of heaven intervened and came and interrupted the mechanical system and said, for now, you have been taking cars from a lot of people, but this car, there is a pillar of fire over this car. Now, do you want me to walk in this world by fear? Am I going to glorify a criminal more than God? God is greater than anything. So, in closing, have faith in God. God bless you, Rich. As we stand to our feet. An old woman in Zimbabwe after the service came to me and said, Pastor Mariba, I need you to come and lay hands on my car. It has some mechanical failures. I looked at the woman that she is requesting that, but under normal circumstances, I would have looked for somebody like Brother Borero and say, can't you check this old woman's car? But rather I say, out of respect for the old woman's wish, went there, laid hands and said, God, fix this car. Amen. Then I went, when I went for the other time, she said, you remember my car was giving me problems. Yeah. Ever since you laid hands on the car, my car is fine. I said, I said God is a mechanic. Yeah. You see, the problem is that we only want him on certain things. And on certain things we say, ah, this one, I went to school for it. You will fail spectacularly. Invite God in every avenue of your life. Only believe, only believe, all things are possible.
Only believe. Yes. Every situation, Father. 
my Lord and my God, we want to thank you tonight. Lord, may you help us, Lord, for you are God of the water, you are God of the wind, you are God of the mountains, you are God in every situation. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for this food that we, you have brought unto us tonight. Oh, Lord God Almighty, may you help us, Lord, that as we go, Father God Almighty, we can always remember that no matter what we face, you are right there behind us, Father. We want to thank you for this food that we have partaken tonight. Help us, Lord Jesus Christ. May you continue to inspire our pastor, Father. May it be so, we continue to partake of the same food in each and every meeting that we have. Bless us, bless us tonight, Lord. Bless each and every member of this church, Lord. Let it be so, Pray, Almighty God, that you are an ever-faithful God. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Not forgetting Friday, we'll be with the young people here. It's 6 o'clock the time, brother. What? 6 o'clock. Amen. Now, on the 14th of September, we're going to have a communion service. Just note it on that one. Sunday, I'm not here. I'm in Nelspreit. By the 14th, we'll have two services, the communion. Amen. God bless you richly. Give us a song. Amen. Sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus, what a wonderful